I think that batching is one of the secrets to productivity and to success. Welcome to Start the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Joining us today from Franklin, Tennessee, my friend, your friend, the Internet's friend, Chris Murphy. Hola, mi amigos. <laughs> si. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi, Chris. Have you been working on your Spanish? I have not. No, I, okay. I, uh, every now and then, if I have to like call a 1-800 number, you get that few seconds, like press one for English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then some Spanish, uh, press Ocho. Yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. So that, that's kind of the extent of me, my, my Spanish. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm the ugly American that really only speaks American, I only speaking American, yeah, uh, did, did you take Spanish in high school? I did. I took two glorious years of Spanish under uh, Senora Safor in Pravel High School. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't recall much. Uh, I do remember that I thought that we all had to, you know, change our names from our English names to the Spanish counterpart. And that <laughs> they told me that my name should be Cristobal. But it sounded too much like <laughs> Crystal Ball. And I didn't like that. So I just went with Carlos. Crystal ball. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's against my religion. <laughs> yeah. So I went with Carlos uh, yeah, to not yeah. cite the he- Jesus wouldn't like that. Exacto mundo. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. I took Spanish as well. So here's, a, here's an interesting thought. When you are in a Mexican restaurant and they have the strolling, what's the group of singers, the mariachi band, yeah. when the mariachi band's going from table to table, I'm sure you've seen those scenarios. Sure. What's the first Spanish song that you would want to request from a mariachi band? First song, <laughs> I mean, El Cucaracha is the one that always comes to mind, but it's not much of a yeah, song. It, it, it's pretty, it's pretty over and done with pretty quickly. So, well, and, and you're in a restaurant, and you're singing about cockroaches. <laughs> that's so true. That's a little bit nasty. Which you know, I think that that song was written because of a mariachi band seeing cockroaches in the corner of a of a restaurant. So, Mary, oh, which I'm sure is never, no, happened. never. No, but I, I like to throw them a curveball and ask them if they know any Santana <laughs> to see how how like good they are at, at jamming on those instruments that they're playing. Like, hey, can you do a Santana solo? That's what I want. Can you do smooth featuring Rob Thomas? That's what I want. You know, I, I'm sure they can do some form of Santana. Sure. <laughs> Most of these mariachi bands are pretty oh, good. They like, really are. Yeah. My mariachi request of choice is Guantanamera. Oh, yeah. Guantanamera. <laughs> See, and that's funny. Like, that's the only word anybody, <laughs> unless you're Spanish. <laughs> yeah, again, I think I, I wonder sometimes you talking about ugly Americans a few seconds ago about how much they, you know, they're putting their equipment back in their vehicles at night. Like, oh, we had to play for these people. And, you know, they tried to sing along and act like they knew what they were doing. But it's, uh, yeah, these ugly Americans, they don't tip well, nor the day, do they know our songs. <laughs> They don't tip well. Speak for yourself. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I stopped uh, requesting La Cucaracha because I didn't feel like it was, you know, worthy of a, you know, a full blown song. So I didn't want to tip like I, I should have. So I had to come. I can song. imagine, though, those mariachi bands get frustrated because, you know, they're in a restaurant and the average diner is probably thinking, OK, I just tip the server. Yeah, sure. For the meal, I don't have to tip the mariachi band. And so they probably do get uh, the shaft over and over, and that would be frustrating. Yeah, and actually having – I know that you and I both have experience of having served in restaurants in the past. And so I, I don't know if uh, this is everyone's experience or maybe an experience because I was once a server. But I start off with like 20%. Like 
I understand that a person has a job like that, uh, serving or doing their doing the mariachi band because they're working for tips. So I start off with like a solid 20%. And then if the service is excellent, I go up from there. But if it's, uh, I don't do the 15% anymore. I, I kind of start there. How about you? What's your, do you have a tipping rule? Yeah, because I've also waited tables just like you. I have a different perspective on tipping than probably most folks that have never worked in a restaurant. I think if you've worked in a restaurant, you are likely to want to tip a little bit better just because you you get it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you understand that people have bad days. You understand teamwork and the lack thereof at times, and that's not necessarily a reflection on your server. Right. So yeah, I will, I will try to at a bare minimum, I'll try to start at 15, but man, there has been one time in my life, Chris, where I have walked out on a bill and it was, the service was so horrible. A situation was so bad, but even in that situation, I left a little bit of money to tip the waitress, even though I wasn't going to pay for the food. And I think had I not worked in the industry at one time when I was younger, I would have never done that. Yeah, I I have a non-confrontational person, but there have been a time or two where I'm like, man, there is a bare minimum of service that is expected if you're going to have a restaurant and have servers taking care of you. So I have left a note or or two (laughs) in my time to request like next time or for the next guest that walks in here, this would possibly be a good tip for you guys. But, you know, I get it. I know that a lot of times this is just a uh, this is a job to get by until the the next thing comes comes along. But I, I'm actually in favor of I wish that we did not live in a culture where restaurants were were known that, you know, we pay our servers minimum wage or less and let them live off tips. I'd rather pay a little bit more every time I go into a restaurant but not have to worry about tipping. Well, and yeah, the tipping culture is dramatically different in Europe and they do, they, they pay their servers, you know, a higher wage. Sure. And, and so if they do get tipped, they're like surprised. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think uh, there's something to that. When I worked as a server, I did get paid like maybe like a $2 an hour yeah. or something that was so ridiculous. It was, wouldn't even cover gas money. Sure. And if you didn't have good tips, you know, that was, that was a bad day, you know, and that was frustrating because you even if you're just putting in a couple hours of hard work, it's hard work. And to only walk away with a couple bucks, that's that's rough. Yeah, there there have been few jobs that I've had where I worked harder than when I was a server and even a busboy as well. I, those are those are hard, long hours dealing with difficult customers sometimes. And so, yeah, it's, it, that's a difficult job to get paid just a couple bucks an hour and to keep your fingers crossed for a good tip. So I, I think people are probably wondering at this point, where is this episode going? <laughs> And I'm, I'm glad people are asking that question, Chris, because today we want to unpack what are some life lessons, some starving the doubt lessons that are taken from the restaurant industry, meaning, you know, what you can learn from being a server and how that can apply into <laughs> all these fun things that we talk about. So that's the segue. Chris, what's something that jumps out to you? Maybe a life application that you feel like you learned or was reinforced serving or waiting tables? Yeah. You know, when I first started waiting tables, it was still kind of okay to call the person who was waiting on you a waiter or a waitress. But, you know, as, as uh, time has gone on, it's a little more PC to call all people that are, were once considered waiters, call them servers. And, you know, sometimes those PC terms, they come into vogue in our culture and you're like, ah, whatever, you know, we're just trying to put a, a new name, put lipstick on the pig, so to speak. But I really enjoyed being called a server versus a waiter 
because I realized that what I was doing was serving them. And if if a customer comes in paying their good, hard-earned money to come and relax and not have to worry about cooking, not having to worry about the dishes, they're coming for an experience. And so one of the things that I really try to do, even though it wasn't my favorite job in the world to do that, was to give them the experience that they were expecting when they walked into the restaurant. And so, man, I've worked for some for some holes in the wall, and then I've worked for some really nice restaurants. But I tried to make sure that regardless of the establishment that I worked at, that the level of serving that I gave someone else was on par to being at a a really nice restaurant where people took care of you. And so that was one of the things that I appreciated because, again, I I like to be served, but I also like serving as well. And it gave me a a sense of a good feeling, a good sense of like that I'm helping someone with their day and making it better. What about you? I think, and it kind of ties into what you were just talking about, is you're having a bad day, but you can't let that bad day project yourself when you're waiting tables. So you need to fake it. And uh, that could be hard to do. But in life, sometimes that's how it is. Sometimes you just got to put that smile on to basically create a real smile. (laughs) And you just got to make it work and you got to go for it. And I think that's, that's something I've had to apply time and time again is uh, when I was going up to that table, maybe I was having a you know, when I was tired or I didn't want to be there or, or somebody else had not uh, treated me well, the previous table or whatever, you know, you just got to let that go and you got to start fresh. You got to smile. You got to be friendly. uh, Such is life. That's easier said than done as well, because, you know, whether you're bringing something in from outside of work into work or whether the last table that you were dealing with was just a bear that shouldn't give the, your next table a bad experience just because you've been having a bad experience. I mean, I know that right before we recorded, I was telling you about a story. Uh, just this morning, I went and got some donuts for the family at Dunkin' Donuts around the corner from my house. And I pulled up to the drive through and waited there somewhere between two and three minutes. And if you're waiting for that long, again, two or three minutes in the grand scheme of thing is not a long time. But just sitting there kind of staring at the uh, speaker box, waiting for somebody to come and talk to me, it seemed like I was there for a long time. And so I just kind of, hello, hello. Like, I didn't know if I was not hearing something or the the speaker was broken and uh, poor Justin comes in from the other side. He's like, I'll be right with you. And so I, I ordered my food and then went around to the window and I was like, is everything cool? And he's like, I'm the only one working here. It's so stressful. I'm the only one in the drive through line. And then there's a girl taking orders out front, but we're the only two. It's so stressful. And I thought to myself, like, poor guy. And I gave him a little bit of encouragement. But that's kind of that thing. Like he let my experience bleed into his personal life or vice versa. His personal life bled into my experience. You know, I, I feel for the guy. I've been in his shoes before, but it's just one of those things where instead of putting on a smile, he let me have every bit of emotion that was, uh, that he was feeling inside. So Chris, I want to hear your thoughts on this one. And, and one of the things I learned from waiting tables, I think that applies is the power using the power of suggestion. Ooh, yes. Right. And yep, I'm sure you've been <laughs> in a restaurant where the waiter came over and, and saw you and your family and be like, uh, would you would you like bottled water or tap? <laughs> yes. You know, and they like kind of say tap in a way that makes it sound gross. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. Because they're trying to get you to buy bottled water, sure. right? Because there's a, a, a price associated to bottled water versus free tap water. But yeah, let, let's hear your thoughts on the power of suggestion. You know, it's important. And one of the things that I've learned that probably we've all known for years, but sometimes I have to be reminded is that regardless of what field we're in and regardless of what we do, we are always selling something. 
And so even if you're not in a job where it's considered a sales job or a salesperson, you're always selling something to the upper management that you work for. You're selling your skills that like you guys need to keep me around because I do so and so. And to the people who maybe work under you, you need to sell them on the process of the process of the business of what we're doing. We're all in a common goal. And so regardless of what we do, we're always selling something. And so I think that that's important to remember. And I, that was one of those things, too, where they all, you know, some restaurants that I've worked at, they would gather all of us servers around before the shift and give us the specials and give us the reasons why we need to push this particular food item or this drink cocktail. And so the power of suggestion is important because sometimes, whether it be me as a server or I have been served at a restaurant and walk in and I didn't have this craving going in, but they were like, would you like the spinach artichoke dip to start you off with while you're looking over the menu? And there's been times where I'm like, man, don't sell me right now. I need to just get something and get out of here. But there are other times like, ooh, spinach artichoke dip. Yeah, totally bring it on. And so automatically just through offering it up, you know, it wasn't a demand. It was just a kind offering. Then that added, you know, another $10 to the bill for them to be tipped on and offered me a, a better experience in the restaurant. So I think it's important. All right. So we, we just got one or two more of these. This will be more, a little bit of a shorter episode. But um, another thing that stood out to me, Chris, is anticipating what your customers want or what others need. So whether you're talking about in a business setting where your customers need something or or even just as a, a husband, what your spouse needs or, or as a father, what your child needs or what those around you need, learning uh, waiting tables, you anticipate, you see your table, okay, their, their water is getting low yeah. or their drink is getting low. I need to go ahead and um, on my next lap, I need to bring another iced tea. Sure. But being able to anticipate you know, what, what's coming up. And I think that's, that's so important. Number one, being thoughtful, right. And then also uh, just being a good steward of whatever responsibility you have. And if you can anticipate what others need or customers need, and you'd be able to act on that before they're coming to you, Chris, 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 that really changes the exchange. It it makes that encounter even better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that you know, there was a, a, a one particular restaurant that I was in that we all looked at every table in the restaurant as all of the employees that work there. It was everyone's responsibility. And so if you walked by someone else's table and saw that the tea was getting low or they needed a refill on water or needed new chips, that it was upon you to just go get a get a water and bring it by for them for the next time. So that way that the customer was always thought of as the number one person to pay attention to and not just Hey, well, these three tables over here, these are my tables and you got to deal with your own thing over here. But it was the attitude of the restaurant to make sure that every customer, even if they weren't, you know, your quote unquote tables that you were working that night, they were all your responsibility. And so to always be mindful and help out that other server who may be in the weeds to use a uh, use a term that we used in the restaurant biz, you know, we all are responsible for everybody's happiness. And I think that's important as well. But Speaking specifically on the anticipating others' needs, you know, it's one of those things where there's a a cliched phrase out there. It's better to ask for forgiveness rather than permission when it comes to doing whatever we want to do. And if we step on some people's toes and we can say we're sorry, but it's kind of the opposite of that when we were, if we really are there to serve people and to do what's best for the the group as a whole is to anticipate. Again, like you're saying, whether it's your family, whether it's, you know, your husband or wife or your partner you think to yourself, what do they need right now? And instead of, you know, asking, you go do it for them. And then the the benefits far outweigh the, the effort there. So I think that that's important to remember that the benefits far outweigh the effort. 
That's well said. And we're going to uh, close up with this one, Chris. It's a good one. And one of the things that I learned that has been super valuable and, and some productivity knobs might turn their nose up at this one, but the idea of batching tasks, I know some people would say, okay, you, you do one at a time, but in waiting tables, it is really valuable to be able to batch tasks or be able to come up with a, a series of steps totally. that help you to, if you're taking a trip back to the kitchen, you know, what's don't just grab one thing. Maybe you can grab multiple things that make your job a little bit easier when you come back out for the tables that you're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, like a consolidation process, I guess is what I'm trying to describe. So I'm curious, Chris, is there uh, any ideas or thoughts that you have about consolidating and, and maybe how that's been helpful? You know, I think that batching is one of the secrets to productivity and to success. And again, I don't know exactly who you mean or, or the thought of there may be some people out there that may poo-poo the idea or something like that. But man, it is so valuable when you see the benefits of batching, you know, whether it being in the restaurant industry or in personal life or in business to be able to, you know, maybe it's you and I doing a couple podcasts in one day that we can put out over the course of a couple of weeks versus doing one a day for, you know, the same times. And so it just makes it easier when it comes to scheduling and time commitment and all that. And I know that like in the restaurant industry, I got to where in my left hand, I could put three full beverage glasses in one in my left hand and have. uh, (laughs) And so again, I couldn't do anything else with that arm or that hand, but I could hold three refills in one hand. And you know, if it was a table of four, I could put the fourth in my right hand and then walk. And then once my right hand's empty, then I, I have to use my right hand to empty my left hand, so to speak. But I got really good at that because it's so much easier and saves so much time over the course of a night or a shift when you can take out four drinks at one time versus two at a time or one at a time or asking someone else, hey, I've got these two drinks in both my hands. Can you get the other two drinks that, you know, you're helping save time and helping save other people's resources as well. Would you agree? I would. And now I'm thirsty. (laughs) Let's go get some sweet tea, baby. (laughs) We should go get some sweet tea. All right. So, Chris, I, I think these are some really good tips. I think there's a lot of things that we can learn in life and in business and in starving the doubts just from kind of seeing what's going on in our society and in our culture. And, uh, you know, it's not just limited to, you know, a job waiting tables. Sure. Uh, there's so many things that we can learn and learn from and apply. And I hope that uh, that'll be the task this week as you're going out and doing whatever you're doing. Consider whatever it is that you're seeing, consider whatever it is that's, you know, that you come across. What is that a lesson that is uh, something that's helping you or a lesson of, of what not to do. And we'd love to hear from you. Chris and I always enjoy when you tweet to us at Chris Murphy Hub, at Jared Easley. Yeah, definitely send us a message. And if you haven't left a review on iTunes, if you love the show, we ask that you consider doing that as well. And I'd like to leave people uh, with just this one last thought too. We talked a lot about serving today. Think of one person in your life that you can go out of your way and to serve. And I'd love to hear those stories. So again, tweet at Jared Easley, at Chris Murphy Hub, and tell us, who and what you did something for today. I think that would be cool to start a good conversation around that. And go get some sweet tea. Amen. (laughs) All right, Chris. Adios, sir. You're having a bad day, but you can't let that bad day project yourself when you're waiting tables. So you need to fake it. And uh, that could be hard to do, but in life, sometimes that's how it is. Sometimes you just got to put that smile on to basically create a real smile yeah. <laughs> and you just got to make it work and you got to go for it.